0: Hello. Mr. John Fox. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. I hear you knocking and you can't come in. Come back tomorrow. Try it again.
1: Now we know why you're a drummer. (laughs) (laughs) Again,
0: so mean. Like every every day, like make fun of me day this week. Every day? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had to give permission to <laughs> to Daniel Steinberg to just like, when he was asking how to introduce me at the App Builders conference I Says, well, you know, feel free to throw me under the bus, make a drummer joke if you feel the need. And I think he did.
1: Excellent. Well, I, I didn't see the opening of your talk. I have watched your talk. Okay, so let's talk about that. We've both done App Builders this week. Now, yours was different to mine because you did uh as as you said last week substance. you um you recorded your your video uh your your session and then did a live q and a afterwards whereas mine was a a live interview session so i was live not
0: dead mm-hmm. as, they, as they say so um and how, you, how, i had to prepare and have substance and you could just do what we do
1: <laughs> well i did what i was asked to do
0: no, you did exactly. No, yours was good actually, and I, you, it was great. I, I no, no, no enough enthusiastic.
1: Yeah, it's anyway. Yeah. So, how did you find the whole app builders thing? Okay, yeah. You know, how how did you find that was for you as a as a speaker at a, an online event?
0: Um, I think overall the event did really well. I think it captured a lot of the the nice feelings um, that you get from from having a conference where people that. You know who have things to share and share willingly and happily, and you you get to to understand a little bit about what developers' scenes are like in different parts of the world, so all those things I think uh managed to translate very nicely as a speaker. It was, you know, it, preparing for a talk is always difficult. And in this case, I had the, the advantage of, of being able to adapt a talk that I had already done because there's a certain amount of overhead and getting the slides up and thinking through all the different points you want to make. And I had a lot of material to work with. It, the challenge was not really was taking what was an hour's worth of material and trying to condense it down to a half an hour and do some updates and fix some of the problems for the first time I did it. And I had to do that under fairly short deadlines and that, I didn't, I didn't, you know, partly didn't know because I didn't look carefully, but partly because a lot of things weren't published, um, who the other speakers were and what they were going to be talking about. When I found out that that Matthew um, Bischoff was going to give his talk on accessibility, but first of all, I didn't know that there had been other talks on accessibility. That in itself is a great thing. But I was able to have a look at his slides. He was very helpful beforehand. And as it turned out, we had a bunch of slides that were exactly the same thing and telling some of the history of of. of of the movement to, to, to get get rights for accessibility in the United States and so forth. So I was able to cut out all that and focus more on the code samples and and, and whatnot. The mechanics of actually recording a talk was the big challenge because, uh, at least for me, I find that the, 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 you know, the constraints of having to go on stage, just do it, and to feed off of the audience simply is not there when you're in a room and trying to make it look, you know, professional-ish um, – it was a bit of a challenge because I had to to go some. I had to go to the studio next door and be able to have you know quiet. And there they had a a big monitor, so that was helpful. So I had the monitor in the background so I could see the slides, and um, at, at a size large enough that I you know didn't have to squint entirely to read them. And then I had the, the 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 camera in portrait mode in between me on a tripod so that I could have the the video recording. Then I had to have wireless mic to try and get the sound decent. So in order to make the whole thing look decent with that picture-in-a-picture that picture thing, that's really the challenge because you're, on the one hand, having to see what's on the slide, see if the transitions have all built out so you've got to your point or that you're getting to the code sample, and there you are up in the, in some corner or some part of the thing. Your eyes are are almost always looking in the wrong direction, so it looks kind of weird. Um, and then trying to I mean once you kind of get through dealing with all that, then you have to try and appear natural and animated and and not just literally a talking head. So um, that was that was difficult. You know, having done it now, I, I know a bunch of things, and I could probably make it a lot better the next time. And that's probably going to come in handy because I suspect that this is the way that conferences are going to be for for a while.
1: So um, almost all of the talks that were pre-recorded had uh, the same picture-in-picture stuff. So did the conference give you guidelines on how to do that, or did they give you instructions on no. what they wanted, or did everyone just no. decide that was the way to go?
0: I think everybody was copying how all these kind of instructional videos, if if, if I remember the last influence, it was the, the NS screencast, cause I thought that was well done. But I mean, I th- but I don't think he, you know. Uh, I don't think any. I, I have no idea who first did it, but it it is a kind of a natural thing, and in fact, it's a feature in, in iMovie. So that was that was the other thing that that I kind of had to <laughs> spend some time looking at YouTube tutorials to be able to figure out how to to make it work. So yeah, time I'm sorry, you know, Keynote has the uh, direct ability to to record now. And very fortunately, if you have embedded videos, that audio comes along with it. So, and you can record your voiceover. So, in fact, you you don't want the you don't want the audio. It, oftentimes, that that QuickTime is going to record for. you, uh, Sorry, that Keynote is going to record for you. You want audio from a separate input, um, and to get all those things synced together um, properly and then mixed in, in a reasonable way, there's there's a lot of post processing you can do to make it work better. Um, but no instructions were gave, but the instructions are out there. And gosh, if any of the, 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 the listener wants to know how I did it, I'm more than happy to, to, to share what I learned um, because it, it, there are definitely some things to make it work better. I kept mentioning QuickTime because the first tutorial I saw on doing, it says, yeah, just take advantage of the fact that you can use QuickTime screen recording and just record the entire screen. Uh, but no, that feature is now built into Keynote, so that helps a lot. And then in terms of iMovie, uh, it took a little while to figure out how to how to p- place the video in such a way on the timeline select it in the right way to be able to then have the option of of putting it on a putting it picture in picture and i think if you really want to be good about it to to, to keep people focused on the points is to alternate between having your picture at a fairly large size especially when you're doing the intro then shrinking down into the corner and maybe sometimes disappearing so that people can f- focus on on the slides because it, otherwise You would probably want to design the slides that you have a safe area where where your picture and picture is going to be. And I think if you want to be really slick about it, if if you had the monitoring, the the monitor set up in such a way that you had a natural sight line, I'm not quite certain how to do it but there should be a way so that your eyes are always looking into the camera while also being able to see the screen because you don't want your eyes to go kind of look off to one side it just it it looks a little bit like a like you know chucky the 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 the, the you know doll gone wild in in some horror movie
1: yeah, I mean, it, it, this this stuff is not easy. So, uh, I mean, my session was just a thirty minute interview. I interviewed uh, Paul Hudson over Skype. We had a good time, but there was no Q and A. So, really, it was no different. You said for me recording a podcast. They just happened to be going out live at the same time with people watching and people sent in some questions um, through an online system at the same time. So, it. it uh, it really wasn't a conference-style experience in any way for me at all because I had no interaction really with, with any attendees as far as my talk was, was, was mm-hmm. concerned. Uh, before I say anything else, I really am going to say well done to the organisers of Builders. Mm-hmm. I think, especially considering the conference wasn't initially designed as an online conference um, and they had to switch to it. I think they did a very good job. I think the platform that they chose to use, which was Hopin, actually was pretty good. Um, overall, for for doing this stuff, I think, um, uh, and and seem to offer quite a lot of uh, features to make if you're going to do something with online community in a live sort of a fixed time space, then, um, uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it it, it it was pretty good. So, um, big big kudos to them, and uh, yeah, and well done for for pulling it off. Um, but I'm going to say that for me, uh, an online conference just didn't work at all. Hmm. And this has nothing to do with the quality of what was there, because the quality was superb. This has got to do with me that, uh, that um, you know, I just was constantly distracted by things I had to do. Um, so I actually ended up attending very little of it. It would have been it would have been you know the equivalent uh, to, to me of, of someone who goes to a conference and then spends their entire time in the lobby on the phone to their team um, or, right. or whatever else because there was just stuff to do I think I I only watched one talk live as it went as it was being broadcast um, uh, so I have definitely not felt like I've been in a conference this week I said that's my that's hmm. that's my fault not um... now I do realize that you know, um, I think I've said this before. Uh, when I'm at a conference, I will try and go to a, every session. I, if it's a multi track, I will pick one, even if it's something I'm not really very interested in. Now, in fairness, I may sit at the back with my laptop open and be doing some work, but then you suddenly realize, actually, this session's quite interesting, and you watch anyway. Or you get to a point in a session where it's really not been for you, but um, suddenly the speaker says something, and you go into one 10 minute section It is for you, and that's something you would have never seen otherwise. Um, so, I can be at a conference and distracted, but still get the conference experience and get stuff from it. That doesn't work when it's live. I did try having some talks on while trying to do some other stuff, and it was actually just distracting if you know what I mean I wasn't watching hmm. the talk and I wasn't um <laughs> doing the work so for me personally uh it 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 didn't work, but that is just but I know there were a lot of people who really did like it, and I know some people i think u i conf in Germany is on this week, and I know a bunch of people who'd because uh app builders had worked for them, uh, they jumped straight on and bought tickets for UIConf straight afterwards because they said, Hey, these online conferences are pretty cool. So obviously it it, it, it worked for some. Um oh, good. I would say that this the talks did not have the the um the rough edge that often conference talks can have that make them quite edgy and alive, as you, as you've already said. However, that also meant because people could redo things, there was no bad, there were no bad talks at all. Mm. Um, it also meant that because uh, people had pre-recorded stuff, the conference talks were available the moment they finished online. Uh, so I did watch several of the talks from day one in the evening after day one had finished. And because everyone had recorded their own talks, the quality of the video for the talks was often a lot higher than you get out of a conference. Because often mm. it's only got the slides and no speaker or the speaker and you don't see this, whereas everyone had done it. So, so uh, you know, the real pros was, I think, what's come out of it afterwards is really, really good content. Now, as a conference organiser, you don't put on a conference so that people can get good content afterwards. There's other reasons for doing it, but that is one plus of this. So um, uh, for people who weren't at the conference, uh, there's some really good material there um, and some very good talks there um in there so you know i think it was successful i think i'm going to say well done again to the people at app builders um i think all the speakers did a great job and, and obviously everyone put a lot of time just like yourself put a lot of time and effort into into um making sure their talks worked um in, in this format um and now again as, as a speaker you know i'm not sure whether the return on investment for doing that is worth it, you know, Because as you said, it takes a, it took a long time. It wasn't just preparing a talk; you then had to film it, get it right, all the other stuff. You know, there has to be upsides to being a speaker that you you then get people who you who, who who recognize you or come and talk to you about stuff or you get learning from elsewhere and i'm not sure that has the same stickiness when it's just from a video as opposed to being at a conference if you know what that means mm, right. mm, yeah um so i think the jury is out but i'm glad that a lot of people did enjoy it and again i'm going to say well done to the, the folks at app builders who who did who did a fantastic job and this is in no m- way meant to um degrade what they did at all because i think they did brilliantly
0: well, I think that we are all we are all learning how to to do this, learning as conference attendees and 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 as speakers and and as organizers. Because this, I mean, I did tweet this. It like, it's hard enough under any circumstances to make something work, and then when you had to adapt as quickly as as they did, and and being pretty pretty pioneerish, I would say. Um, I'm sure that that a lot of the learnings they made get will will benefit UIConf and anyone who uses Hopin afterwards. Where you know, uh, you know, one of my colleagues is one of the organizers of App Builders, and you know, she was saying that we should consider doing that for our internal demo thing since we're probably going to have to do things with lock it, lockdown. Um, th- th- I think the one other thing that was a little bit tricky to similar to what you were saying is like if, if I go overseas and I you know I'm physically somewhere else and I'm in oddball hours that actually works. Because because if i 'm nine hours ahead i don 't really have to worry about about what 's happening in California at least at that very moment, so I can focus you know the price for doing that is that you 're oftentimes just loopy from from jet lag and I try to 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 stay up um, for some of them. I actually purposely set an alarm so I could uh, taunt you while you were doing your your portion and I tried to stay up for for some of the other ones, but you know I just fell asleep I kind of exhausted, but then i I also tried to to uh, you know, invoke uh, something that Mike Lee always used to talk about about saying that if if somebody's had you to come over and be a speaker, you kind of owe it to the conference and to the conference goers to spend time hanging out afterwards and making yourself available. So I, I made an effort to to go to the the tables afterwards, you know, the virtual tables, and that was fun. And I think that the the last thing that I, this was my my old man paranoia coming out is that uh, <laughs> Daniel said, you know, I previewed your talk and do you mind if I give an objective C warning? I was like, no, go go right ahead. <laughs> and I said, you know, to tell people that they have to wear masks and rubber gloves if they need to. And then as it's coming, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the chat that's going on. That, that's that's the other interesting thing as a speaker is that while you're giving it, you're really kind of unaware of what the real-time commentary is. If you do it pre-recorded and you're watching the chat come in, it's like you have, it's right there in your face. And so the very first reaction was a dinosaur emoji. And then somebody's like, oh, cute little <laughs> semi Michael. So, <laughs> and then I kind of like I had to step in. and said, you know, you kids get off my lawn. I said, you know, be nice, kids. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. We didn't mean anything bad. We think it's cute. We think it's wonderful. I miss Objective-C sometimes. And then somebody says, well, just how much Objective-C is there? I'm like going, this app has been shipping for a while to a large number of people. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying to myself. And then I just kind of politely said, you know, brand new code isn't Swift, but, you know, we're all square brackets up in here. So Anyway, that that whole experience was nice, and and I, I I feel like I I met you know you can't see the air quotes, but I, I definitely got in touch with some people that that I I hope to continue conversations with. So that was cool.
1: You see, also that there's the thing for me that I I've discovered over the last two or three years that I am a bad conference attendee, um, because uh, you know it's although I spend almost my entire life in public and in public settings, I'm not actually that great uh, in a social setting. Um whereas uh and so as an attendee when you just go to a conference, I really, you know I enjoy certain parts of it and and definitely I'm better in the evening when there's a bar and a few beers involved. But during the day it's like, okay, a session's finished, go find someone it's it's I'm not particularly dynamic at that or I, I find it hard work and tiring. Whereas when you're a speaker uh, people come and find you. So you don't have to do any of that work. I mean, I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy being with them. But I don't have to go and find somebody to speak to. I don't have to go and say, see if that group is someone that uh, um, is a conversation I can join in with because I just, as, as a speaker, often at a physical conference, I, I, I just naturally find myself inside those conversations because people have included me because I've spent 20 minutes on the stage or done some emceeing or whatever else. Um So uh, and that has helped me appreciate just being an attendee that, you know, if someone like myself who is actually reasonably outgoing uh, uh, struggles, if you're actually an introvert, a conference must be a nightmare for you. So that has if I was to ever design a conference again, I have a lot of um, thoughts and ideas around that now and different conferences do different things very well on that. Uh, And of course, um, so actually just um, I did drop in on a couple of tables for people who don't know the, the conference organizers set up a A thing like different tables that were in the conference room being air quotes there for room. And you could just go and sit at a table and whoever is at that table, all the video would come up and you would just chat with them. But actually just, you know, going down, when you walk up to a table at a real conference, you can see who sat at the table. (laughs) with <laughs> this one you couldn't so you had to press the video button then suddenly you appeared with a bunch of people and you had no idea yeah, who they it were it had that chat
0: roulette feel to it
1: <laughs> your mother could have been there your lover could have been there who knows it's like a... <laughs> or
0: in some cases both, both. at the same time
1: <laughs> so it's uh yeah so, so actually i can imagine for uh, i mean i did do it a few times but i can imagine if you uh do not fo- and of course the moment you arrived everyone says hello how are you and, and it's like a, that could have been quite scary for people so yeah i think um uh yeah <laughs> i'd be interested to know what people thought about that anyway enough enough of conference talk um so uh so other than of course you saved yourself a f- international flight to switzerland and lots of jet lag this week and uh, days out of your time uh, that means you've probably got some work done as well so what have you been up to?
0: I did. So I have been working on something that is a follow-on to the parental controls. And um it has to do with with dealing with with uh downloads and, and how those get filtered. Um and it's it I finished it. Now it's gonna I need to prepare it for testing and see how it goes. But I, I'm I'm proud of that I managed to figure some things out. But the, the challenge was is is in a generic sense, what happens when you need to provide a new feature that's based on a data store and the data store doesn't have the data that you need and you already have some data in the you know following the old schema in the data store and, and then you kind of have to, to upgrade it but in but you can't guarantee that it will all get upgraded at one time the upgrade itself requires network connections and the features is in that that's you know is is being worked on is something precisely for that's that's you know oftentimes used when you're offline Um, and so you know uh, there were several parts of of the project one was and then the other well the other challenges too is that the data itself from our back end comes from one of the last remaining places that that is kind of in the old style of, of of groovy code and kind of having to to go back to the mind that mindset and deal with run scripts versus live debugging that was that was fun just to get the data. And then once I have the data, I have to kind of go through and carefully, you know, modify the, the, the schema and make sure that all works. And then to be able to test it, which is a little bit tricky as well, is because that data store doesn't survive. Um, it doesn't survive app, you know, uh, it reinstalls, of course. And so you have to kind of set up something where y- 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 you have to. And it doesn't survive logouts as well so i kind of had to to design a system so i could get some data in the old state and then and then get the new code that manipulates that data in in available and then then say okay let me download a bunch of stuff but don't have that don't include that little bit of data that i needed and then then run the app again to be able to, to simulate what happens when you go to upgrade and make sure that you can upgrade at the right time. And even if the upgrade fails or if each, you know, to, to do it atomically, it's, it's, it ended up getting fairly complicated. Um, but it seems to have worked so far, at least in my testing. And I'm sure somebody will find some, some grievous problem with it. But uh, it was a bit of a challenge. And the one thing I will say is that, I mean, and, you know, forever grateful to the guy who originally wrote it because the code is spectacularly clearly documented um, and even had some stubs saying, oh, one day we might have to do this. And so that was a helpful note for the future, and I just wanted to kind of go back in time and say, yeah, here it is. <laughs> so, anyway, so yes, I, I did I did get some useful things done this week. How about you? Uh,
1: I've been working on syncing. Um, now, yeah, it's... Uh... Basically, I've had one of those weeks where I've rewritten the same code about five times to try and find the way I want to do things. Uh, And and I'm not going to go into masses of details, but it's um, you know we have a whole bunch of stuff in uh, in in data objects, and some of them are codable and some are not codable, Um, and so but obviously they need to be serialized for the purposes of um, syncing across the wire either through uh, a, a code of JSON decoder or JSON serialization or some some method, it doesn't really matter which. And Some things support it, some don't, uh, which isn't a problem uh, uh, in any way, apart from the, the amount of code. Because we're writing a custom sync solution for MoneyWell, we have the advantage that it can be incredibly tailored to the MoneyWell dataset. set. Um, it doesn't have to be generic in, in, in any way at all. However, that also means you know, the the code that each type of object wants is specific to it, and it's a bit tedious. So we have been trying to make it that the actual sync code is generated by a source code generator. Uh, we use Sorcery uh, from a template, um, and this code has been working on the whole fine, but it was it had got to the point that it was you know it was generating some fairly horrendous code you yeah, know there were there was an awful lot of nested if statements in there that if it was this try this if it was and it's this stuff that if you were writing that code by hand you would never do because you would be writing it in that object and you would know that it was going to be this so you wouldn't bother with an if statement if you know what i mean so um so i've been playing more with sorcery um which allows you to do you know has quite a lot of um ability to discover the type you're working with and discover the you know uh, uh, different things about it and, and then generate different code depending on that so that's quite useful. Um, it also supports annotations where you can add annotations to your code that sorcery can see and so using that so basically I'm trying to write get it better cleaner code generation um, And in the end I've actually just uh, um, created a protocol. Um, called sync data Uh, and anything that wants to be included in a sync database has to support the protocol Uh, and then I've been through um, just added extensions to all of the standard types like int and int 16 and int 32 and double and whatever else and it's about three lines for each one to support this protocol and obviously if it's something that's already serializable or codable it just returns itself but then anything that isn't serializable and codable can at that point in the its protocol um uh conformance can turn it into something that is and vice versa when it gets data back the other way. And that is ended up with meaning that the sync code can assume that anything that is being synced supports the sync data protocol and just call um either the instant instance method on it to get the data for syncing or call the static method on the type to uh, reconstitute the, the the data from syncing and that has led to um code that is now readable and nice uh, a lot less of it but it's still uh being generated in its own file and if you change properties or something on a um uh, or on a uh a struct of some form, it will all get automatically added next time you build, and because it now expects everything to support this protocol, if you were ever to ever add anything to a struct that didn't uh, support this protocol, it, it it um it would the compiler would immediately complain. So you're going to catch errors like that going through. So it's been a little bit frustrating, but overall, I think reasonably uh, satisfying and successful week. And um, um, yeah, tools like Sorcery are pretty good.
0: That is good you must you must feel you know like you can walk down the streets of of West bollockshire with your head held high uh yeah, I mean this syncing is a real
1: it's a bit of a i mean i wouldn't I would not want to write a generic sync engine to do what we're trying to do in any way at all. um We can only make this work because we're working on a very specific data set. Because we're basically trying to keep a core data store and a SQL light store in sync. And, uh, for example, when you core data, when you save it, it's saving objects from, uh, memory, um, to back, back to the, the data store. But so that means if you've just created object a, which links to object B, they're both in memory and they both get saved and it's fine. But in your SQLite, um, you can have, you have to add them one at a time and then connect them because they're. SQLite doesn't work with a managed object context in, in the same way. And um, it's uh, you can't really insert an object and then link another object to it within the same transaction scope. You need to get the insertion in first and then do the linking. So there's lots of things that go on in the current manual coordinator Data that have to be translated into a different series of uh, updates that go into SQLite and then vice versa. If there's things in SQLite um, that uh, happen, they have to go back to core data the other way. So it is, it, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this as a way forward <laughs> for anybody else in any way at all. It achieves the goal we're trying to achieve right now. Fortunately, uh, the iOS app that is the initial syncing app is uh, a, a companion app, so it's not a full-featured app. So we we do not even need to keep the entire data in sync. It's just certain types of data um, so it's a manageable thing. Equally, it will allow us to prove that this works before. Event- and eventually the goal is everything within all Moneywell um, uh, apps will be in the SQLite store and Core Data will go. But this gives us the ability to, what we'd find when we were trying to move from Core Data to SQLite is it just created uh, the amount of work we'd have to do before we could release was just putting our release date so far down that we've taken this as a yeah, we're taking stepping stones, but yeah, it's um, it is a long term sync strategy trying to keep core cool data and SQLite um independently in sync, uh, especially if it had to be in some generic way where you didn't know exactly what the data structures were beforehand. Uh, yeah, then
0: uh, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of don't do it. Um, we are now at the at the the thirty minute mark, and so when I think about answering the question, should we just keep waffling on forever? I think the answer has to be no. Don't do it, John. Your segues are amazing, aren't they? And of course, I over, then right I, over a cliff. I then ruin them by just
1: commenting on them straight away, as opposed to gliding with them like a real pro would. But John, yeah. uh, okay, so uh, if people want to congratulate you for not going over that cliff, how should they do that?
0: Uh, find me on Twitter, where all civil conversation takes place, um, where you will you can message me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scott, if people want to uh, find you on the mean streets of Northwest Bollockshire, um, what's your address and what's your router password and, and your mother's maiden name and bank details? And also, if people want to waste their time talking to you on Twitter, where might might they do that? Well, you'll probably find all my details somewhere on Facebook, because they seem to give
1: everybody's details away. Uh, but... <laughs> but if you just want to talk to me uh then try um macdevnet on twitter and of course you can um send us things uh at ideveloper uh, feedback at ideveloper.co now i am a little de- okay we didn't actually release anything until monday this week because of the um holiday weekend here in 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 the uk uh, now matt last week just wouldn't do goat milking noises um i assure you sam oh, no i assure you sam did try uh, but yeah. Matt did point out a line that he had when he started working with me that he had put into the contract that he was <laughs> he was immune to any request from John Fox. <laughs>
0: That's that really her? true that probably yes. is yes i actually believe that definitely
1: yes yes he it stated and he quoted it back there uh but i am looking forward to receiving other people's um audio recordings that sam can put in and and, and we can comment on so please do send them feedback at ideveloper.co and if you've no idea what we're talking about go back to that and, and if anyone else feel, wants to do the um do the audio for a goat being milked please feel free right <laughs> okay well, John, it's been a pleasure as always. Um, congratulations again on your excellent talk. We'll put a link in the show notes to the video. It was a, um, a really good talk. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I don't think mine actually got recorded being a, a, a live thing, so you're just everyone will just have to assume that mine was awesome. Mm. <laughs> so okay. there we are. So we'll, we'll put links in the show notes for those. Thanks for listening, uh, every one of you. <laughs> 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 Until next time. You take care. (music) Thank <music> you.